if, if you're new here this morning, this is your first time with us, um, sorry, not sorry. You know, we're a little rowdy, and uh, we love Jesus, and we're passionate about that, and we recognize just what he has done in our life. And, you know, I don't say this to be like, oh, that's so easy to say, but, you know, if we can get rowdy on Saturday afternoons, man, we can get rowdy uh, for Jesus. And so we're just passionate, and that's the way we love and live uh, just with this understanding of, and, and gratitude of what the Lord has done. But I'm so excited and so thankful for everything uh, that God has done to this point. And I'm looking forward for what he's going to continue uh, to do. And uh, we're actually in this collection called The Search. This is the um, last and final week of The Search, it's the fourth week. And uh, in this uh, collection, we've been taking time to uh, answer some questions that uh, came from right here. Uh, on Easter Sunday, uh, we took a survey, conducted a survey uh, that was like, yo, what are some things you would love to hear uh, discussed on Sunday mornings at the Becoming Church? And so we kicked it off the first week, um, which was the number one thing, uh, our, our topic, which was how to change. And so we took some time talking about that. That change doesn't happen in elite, but it happens with a single step. Uh, and then we took some time how to deal uh, with family uh, because uh, we all have family and family's interesting, Okay. And uh, we're not going to re-preach it. Go back on YouTube <laughs> and check it out. And then we, uh, we paused for Welcome Home Sunday. And then, and then we kicked back up talking about last week how to deal uh, with stress. And dealing with stress begins first in the place of prayer. And then today uh, we're going to wrap it up talking about how to deal with disappointment. Because nobody has been disappointed, right? We've never <laughs> experienced that. Uh, so we're going to use John chapter 16, uh, verses 29 through 33 to help guide us in this conversation today. So you can flip with me there, uh, scroll with me, or you can join me here on the screen. But it says this in verse 29. It says, then Jesus' disciples said, now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Because I guess some of the words that Jesus was saying prior to this moment was too confusing to them. So like, now we are tracking with you. It's kind of like if you got little kids, it's kind of like talking to little kids and you're trying to understand what they're saying and you're trying to be patient, but you're also trying to leave. And they're like, yeah, because when um, we and then they you like, yo, can you just speak clearly? <laughs> but then it goes on to say, now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. And I love Jesus' response, right? He's like. Uh, this is how I read it. He's like, do you now believe? <laughs> Never mind the blind that can see. Never mind the lame that can walk. Never mind the deaf that can hear. You know, never mind, you know, the guy who's dead. Now he lives. Lazarus. Like, never, never mind that. Now you believe. <laughs> but he says, a time is coming. In fact, has come when you will be scattered. Each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone. For my Father is with me. And then verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, today for who you are. Thank you for your faithfulness. God, as we sang this morning, thank you, God, that you turn everything that the enemy meant for evil and you turn it around for our good. And so, Father, I pray over these next few moments, God, I pray, God, that faith will arise, God, that hope will arise, and God, that destiny will be realized. God, I pray that as we 
gather around your word, Father, we'll see, God, that you have got a purpose for us no matter what we're facing. God, that there is destiny on our lives. And so, Father, we ask that you speak because we're your servants and we're listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Come on, come on. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Um, have you ever, ever been disappointed? Have you ever faced disappointment? Uh, have you ever had a, a situation or a moment that just wasn't ideal? It just didn't go how you thought it would go, you know? And you don't have to raise your hands. I know we all have had that moment. But I remember one time uh, in particular, family, that I had this moment. I was, it was something I was preparing for. I was excited about. Like, I had took my time and in, in, in all the decisions leading up to this moment that I had to make. And I was, I was like, I had tiptoe anticipation. Like, I was just excited about what was to come. It was something I was looking forward to. And so I hopped in my car, and I was making my way to the destination of where I needed to go. I get out of my car, shut the door. I'm giving you all, like, all the details. I shut the door, and then, well, I had to get out. Yeah, then I shut the door. And then I walk into this establishment, and then they say, uh, what's, what's your name? And I say, Michael. I say, oh, great, you're here. Well, uh, Mr. Hamilton, we got to let you know that the cookies and cream <laughs> was sold out. And so we, you're going to have to make a substitution. I said, crumble, y'all can't fail me like this. Y'all cannot disappoint me like this. I've been waiting all day for this moment. I went on the app, and I selected my four. I said my four. I was not sharing. And I wanted the Oreo, not Oreo, the cookies and cream flavor. And if the app, I got a problem with this, because if the app is going to let me select it, come on, then that means it should be there when I pull up to your store. Otherwise, don't let me select it. Get my hopes up. This is ridiculous. Disappointment, right? Just disappointment. Now, it's like how you transition that. That's lighthearted, but let's just be real. A lot of the things that we've been disappointed with are not so lighthearted. That there are some heavy things that we've had to face that have been disappointed. Some of us are dealing with some pain that we never anticipated. And if we did anticipate it, we didn't know that it was going to hit quite like this. That we're dealing with some loss. We're dealing with some adjustments that we're having to make. And we're dealing with the reality of having to change expectation. And so, in my opinion, discussing the disappointment is vital. It's a vital conversation. Because we need to know how to live when life doesn't look like or reflect our best life now. Are you tracking with me? Like, how do we respond when that's the reality? How do we respond when this isn't Instagram post-worthy? Today... We're going to make some observations from the word of God uh, to give us some context around how to deal with disappointment. Because the reality is, family, we will all find ourselves there in one way or another. And so it's important that we know how to respond when we do. And so to give some context around this text, uh, it's at the end of John at chapter 15. Jesus is predicting both uh, persecution and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, both of these teaching points of his are significant to note uh, because Jesus is letting those who follow him, his disciples, know 
uh, that, listen, you shouldn't be surprised if you are excommunicated or even executed, for that matter, because of your decision uh, not just to follow him, but to continue to follow him. And then he also lets them know that the Holy Spirit is going to be coming. But he doesn't just say, like, yeah, the Holy Spirit is coming. He's actually gonna, he actually says this, it's best that I go away for the helper or the Holy Spirit, your advocate, so that he may come. Now, we have the vantage point of sitting on this side of history. And for some of us who understand uh, the person of the Holy Spirit, and, then if, and if you're like, I'm not quite sure about that, well, we're actually going to be talking about that on beginning a series uh, around that on October 9th, uh, talking about the Holy Spirit uh, called Who is This God? And so, we have that vantage point of being on this side. If you're familiar with the person of the Holy Spirit, like, yeah, that's great, right? It's great that the Holy Spirit is going to come because you got to look at it from this way. If, if Jesus was just still here today, can you imagine with, there's, there's over, I forget what the number is, is billions of Christians um, in the world. So can you imagine what the line would look like just to be able to talk to Jesus? So it, it would be insane. And he's not here. You have to go over the water, Right? And hop on the plane, get the Tel Aviv. Like, you have to go way over there to be able to talk to him. And so the Holy Spirit is significant that Jesus left so the Holy Spirit will come so that you have direct, direct access to God. But on that side of history, to his followers, to the disciples, that would have been devastating. Because remember, Jesus is their rabbi, he's their teacher, and they are apprenticing under him. And so as an apprentice, your goal is to, uh, in, in this case is Jesus, so your goal is to become like, uh, to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. And the only way that that could be a reality is you had to walk closely with him. In fact, um, they will often use like this illustration to say, catch the dust of your teacher because you would be that close and walking with them. So they spent lots of time with Jesus. And so to hear that he's like, yo, I got to go and talking about all that's going to happen to him, that wasn't easy news for them to hear. So not only did they have to deal with that, but then they have to deal with this other reality. Wait a minute. So you're not overthrowing Rome? That's what we thought this whole thing was about. Yeah, we know you've kind of been telling us about this this whole time, but we thought like right at the end you would change your mind and you would really overthrow them and set up your kingdom. And so, they, they, so that was a changed expectation. That was a perspective shift that they had to get that he wasn't coming to set up some earthly kingdom, but he was coming to set up kingdom in the hearts of people. And so, family, it's safe to say that they were disappointed. And so we're going to look at these scriptures and, and answer the question of how to handle disappointment and not just how to handle it. Before we get to the, the, the handles, I guess, we're going to look at some things to remember when disappointment comes because that's important. It's like you have values because your values will remind you what you're about when you get thrown off. That's why as a family, you should establish family values. This is who we are. This is how we speak to each other. This is what we believe so that when they get off, like, yo, we don't behave like that. This is how we do. This is how we respond. And so we're going to look at these things to remember as kind of sort of values to remember when we face disappointment. And the first thing that we need to remember is this. God is in control. He's in control. I like what A.W. Tozer says when he says this, what comes into your minds when you think about God is the most important thing 
about us. It's very significant, family, what you think about God, because what you think about God reveals your perception of God. But it also reveals what you think God is capable of, right? If, if, if you think he's just a so-so God, then he can only do so-so things. If you think he's just an okay God, then he can only do okay things. But if you believe him to be a great God, then he can do great things. That's like it talks about in Psalms that great is our God and he is greatly to be praised. And so you can only praise God at the, the, the level of revelation of, that you have of who God is. And so if you've seen God do the miraculous in your life, then you're going to praise him at that level of you've seen him do the miraculous in your life. But if you take your approach where God is only so-so, then you're only going to Give him a so-so praise. So what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you because it reveals your perception of God. And this kind of reminds me of what we talked about last week is that some of us, we go to worry before we go to God because we have ultimately placed more faith in worry than we have placed faith in God, which reveals what we think about God. But know this, family, God is sovereign. And to say that God is sovereign means that he has power, all power, all wisdom, and authority to do anything that he chooses to do within his creation. The only thing that he can't do is lie. Because if he says it, it's going to happen, right? He spoke in the world. He, he didn't, you understand, God created. It wasn't his idea that he had to figure out, okay, so if I do this, let me get my calculation together. Like he spoke, let there be, and there was. And so the only thing that he can't do is lie because literally anything he says can happen. So thus it's impossible for him to lie. You may have heard it said this way. God is omniscient, meaning this. He is all-knowing. He is omnipotent, meaning he has all power. And he's omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere. It's like David talks about, like, yo, I really can't escape. If I make my bed in hell, like, he's there. No matter where I am, he's everywhere. You can say it this way. He's just higher. Isaiah reminds us of this in Isaiah 55, verse 8. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, talking about the Lord. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So when we face disappointment, when we face these moments, we got to remember, we must remember, family, that God is in control. And we need to understand that there is a level of wisdom that we're just not privy to. And some of us, we have a hard time dealing with that because we think that we're in control. And typically when we think that we're in control is when everything is going well. But you're not responsible for that. <laughs> no, obedience is the only thing that we're responsible for. We don't get to dictate the season of life that we're in, but we do get to dictate how we respond to that season of life. Are you tracking with me? And so the Lord is saying, like, yeah, disappointing times and moments are going to happen. And the first thing you need to remember is that I am in control. And then if the question is, God, why did this happen? Know this. There's just a level of wisdom that we're not privy to. But because of the Holy Spirit, that if you say yes to Jesus dwells in you, he is the spirit of wisdom and understanding. That the Lord will give you a little insight. He'll give you a little preview of what he's doing in you and developing through in you. Uh, through what you may be facing. Are you tracking with me this morning? Here's the second thing that we must remember. God is who he says he is. You know, relationally speaking, a lot of our disappointment, it comes from the fact that those that we do life with, they sometimes let us down, right? And so they disappoint us. And most of the time, it's because of a lack of authenticity. Like we find out, 
that some of the people we love are their own kind of trinity. You're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> They're one person when it's just you around. They're another person when other people are around. And they're a completely different person when it's on social. So they're their own kind of trinity. <laughs> You're like, who am I dealing with right now? But it's, it's not an authentic life. And so, but here's what I'm getting at. If we're not careful, family, we'll take that same quality and we'll place that on God. And we'll say, well, we'll, we'll take this approach that God isn't who he says he is. We'll take this approach that God isn't faithful. We'll take this approach that, that God isn't love. We'll take this approach that God isn't concerned about us. But listen, family, we don't serve a God that changes with the wind. We serve a God who is consistent. He never changes. In fact, it is the consistency of God that makes him holy, right? He is the same. Scripture talks about this, Hebrews 13, 8. It says that Jesus Christ, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means no matter what kind of situation you're facing, no matter what kind of moment you're in, God is consistent. So don't lean into the moment, family. Lean into the consistency of God. He's going to be faithful with you no matter if you find yourself on a mountaintop just as much as if you find yourself in a valley. He's consistent. He is good. He is trustworthy. And I love what Psalms 136 and 1 says. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. It does not say give thanks to the Lord for every circumstance is good. For every moment is good. For everything that we face and go through is good. It says give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he is good. Family, every circumstance isn't good. But God is good in every circumstance. And I mentioned this a moment ago. What we have to be careful with is that we don't allow ourselves to define what good is. Right? We got to allow the Lord to define what good is. And oftentimes how we define good and how the Lord defines good are two different things. And so our prayer should always be, Lord, not my will be done but your will be done. And I'm going to be okay with whatever you allow to happen. I'm going to be okay with whatever route that you take. I love the story of, of Abraham. Here he is with his promised son, Isaac, and the Lord is like, I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. Now, some of you may be familiar with the story I mean, he and his wife were in old age. They had all these things, but nobody to leave it with. They kind of tried to do it on their own. And obviously that was not what God had ordained. And so this was a big deal that he was going to go and sacrifice his son. But right in the moment, the Lord provided a provision because of his obedience. And so what I'm saying, there may be some moments that we're going to face, some things that we're going to go through that it may not be our definition of good. But we got to understand that the Lord is working something better than what we can see. Even if it feels like loss and pain and hurt that we have to go through. I remember there was a season recently um, that wasn't just me. Actually, my wife and I both were going through at the same time. And I remember talking about that season and just saying, I, I'm, I'm never going to give thanks for this season. I know what they say, but I will not be thankful for I'll ride in my car. I'm not going to be thankful for this season here. 
Not at all. It has brought me too much stress. And I remember recently saying, God, I thank you for that time. <laughs> because if I had not experienced that, there's no way that I would see what you're doing right now. There's no way that I would be able to embrace what you face in front of us now. But you have to, I know some of us are engineers and we're technical people in here, but you got you to gotta, you gotta get outside of that. Remember what Isaiah said, his ways, his thoughts are higher. And so you're trying to wrap your mind around this, but how can this be good? Can I tell you something? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I know he'll, he'll turn it to good. And only you'll be able to express that in ways that nobody else can. But you have to trust the Lord and see that. I love that I can stand here and say, I don't know. Because we need more of that. I don't know. I can't figure out the Lord. He's just too much and too mighty and too sovereign. But I know there are things that are just what they are. And if he says, if you trust me, if you be obedient, and if you will follow my way, you will see something that you never saw. We got to basically, here's what I'm saying. If God is God, then let God be God. Because if we can see the end of everything, if we can figure everything out, then why is God God? <laughs> right? So it's just understanding that there is just, you know, there's levels to this. There's just levels to this that, that we, we're not at. That he sits at alone. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? Here's the third thing we've got to remember. The end is never the end. You know, if you know the Marvel movies, you know this one rule. Do not leave just because the credits are rolling. There are many people who left disappointed or were later disappointed because they missed out on something that was very significant because they chose to get up. Like, like, it's a race to get to the parking lot. You know there are other movies finishing at other times anyway. Like, what? just wait, sit down. <laughs> like, you better wait till they're coming in to clean it up for the next showing. Like, sir, ma'am, you have got to go, right? You just, you got to wait because you're going to get a glimpse of what's to come, right? Right at that right moment, they're going to show you what's in front of you. And so I learned like early on, that the end is never the end. And family, this is true for what you're walking through right now. I know it may look like the end. I know it may sound like the end. I know all signs may point to it being the end. People around you may be saying that it's the end. You yourself may be saying like, yo, I think this is the end. But listen, can I tell you that it is not over yet? It's not quite the end. And many of you, you need to hear this this morning because you're on the verge of giving up. You're on the verge of giving up on your marriage. You're like, this is not going to work out. I know we're 10 years in, but it's not working. It's not changing, and I'm ready for the end. You don't need it to end. Some of you are ready to give up on your family. Don't give up on your family. The end is not the end. Some of you are ready to give up on your career. Don't give up on your career. God is using you in that place, in that realm, to be an influencer for him and his kingdom. Family, some of you are ready to give up on God because of the questions that you have that you felt like have not gotten answered. But he is saying don't give up. And family, there are some of you who are ready to give up on life. And I'm not just talking physically, but even mentally. And you're just ready to go through the motions and just wait until whenever. But the Lord is saying the end is not the end. You may feel like it's over. You may feel like this is it. But the Lord says, remember who I am, that I am the God of the turnaround, that I can take any situation that the enemy meant for evil and I can turn it around for your good. Family, can I tell you 
that if it's not good right now, if it doesn't look good right now, don't give up. Just because you can't see good, or if you can't see good, it means this, God isn't done. Don't quit in the middle of the scene. Don't quit in the middle of the movie. There is a story of faithfulness that is being written about your life, that you will see God be faithful to you in ways that you never thought before. In Romans 8.28, it says this, We know all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. All things, not some of the things, well, only these things. No, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So here's what this means, family. If it's not good, God's not done. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. You're going to miss your opportunity to see the faithfulness of God revealed in ways that you never thought. If it's not good, God's not done. It reminds me of Joseph, where if you're familiar with the story, he has these dreams and he goes and shares them with his brothers. And he's very arrogant about it. He doesn't share it in a good way. You know, you, you, some of you guys, you know, you know those people that when you see them come, you're like, oh, gosh. <laughs> but he shares this, these dreams and, and they're like ticked off about it. And they like, yo, let's, let's, let's take them out. And so they throw them uh, in the ground. It's like, no, we can't do that. Let's not do that. So they get him out, and then they, they sell him off. And then ultimately, uh, he's off living in Egypt, and he ascends to, like, what, number two in charge or something like that, and he's over everything. And, and now there's a famine in the land where his brothers are, and now they find themselves before him. And this is where we get this from, and we sang about it this morning in Genesis 50, verse 20, which says, You plan evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. And I love that family because the turnaround and the disappointment that you face is not just for you. See, sometimes I think in American culture, we look at as like God being this, this personal genie. And we use a lot of language, even some of the songs that we sing, like I, me, and it, we got to get back focused to, 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 to we and to, to us because a God dream, anything that God places in your heart that is truly a God dream, is not going to be for the benefit of you. Like it's awesome that God chose you to be a part of that, but it's always going to impact other people. And so if you want to measure if a dream is from God or if it's from your own ambition, look at who it's going to touch and bless. Is it going to bless others or is it just for you? And so I love that it says this. Um, it says, to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Here's what I'm saying. Your trial may be the beginning of a testimony that allows people to see what God can do and what he's done in your life and raise their faith up to say, if he did it in your life, then he can do it in my life. That what you're going through and how God is going to free you, heal you, deliver you, provide breakthrough, provide a, a way of an escape, is so that other people can take that same route that you took to escape and find themselves to freedom, find themselves to deliverance, find themselves in, in healing, find themselves living with the joy of the Lord as their strength. So never look at what you go through as just, well, I guess I just went through it. There is always a purpose bigger than sometimes what you can see. 
But your trial may be the beginning of a testimony, not just in your life, but also for the life of somebody else. That's why Revelation uh, 12, 11, I believe, says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of what? Our testimony. Meaning this, your story matters. You may not have all the theology. You may not be able to say, you know, are you pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib? You may not have all that down. But what you do know is your story, that I once was lost, but now I'm found, that I was sick, but now I'm healed, that God has delivered me, that God has kept me, that God has saved me. And I may not have all the theological points. I may not be able to sit here. I may not be the best apologist, but what I can tell you is what the Lord has done in my life. And you can't debate me on that. You can't dispute me on that because I know where I was and I see where I am now, and it's only by the faithfulness of God. Does anybody have that story this morning? The faithfulness of God is the reason that you're here. The faithfulness of God is what has kept you. That's why you can never discount the power of your story. Don't minimize your story. Oftentimes what gets glamorized are the people who is like, yo, the Lord delivered me from drugs and 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 prostitution and, and addiction and or whatever the case may be. And that's awesome. And that's, shout shout out to that, of course, right? We're thankful for that. But there is also the testimony of what the Lord has kept me from, of what never had to be a part of your story, of what you didn't have to go through. So don't feel like because that's not your story, because I've sat in rooms, man, and people shared their story, and I was like, well, I guess I'll just be quiet, because I don't have, I mean, praise God, (laughs) I don't have that. But there's the power of what he's kept you from. So don't be intimidated because that's not your story because on both ends of these stories is the faithfulness of God no matter what. And that's what we're celebrating. That's what we're glorifying. We're not glorifying what we were saved from or or, or what we never even got involved in. We're glorifying the fact that the Lord has saved us, meaning this, your story matters and it's the beginning of a testimony for somebody else and that is how we overcome by the sacrifice of Jesus on that cross and when getting out of that grave and what he continues to do today because we are saved we are being saved and we will be saved and so this story of the testimony of Jesus and what he's done is one that is continuing to develop Micah if you come we're gonna land this plane today So I'm just going to give you guys these points, and I'm going to get you out of here. So that's how those are three things that we remember. God is in control. God is who he says he is, and the end is never the end. So that's what we remember when we face disappointment. Now, this is how we should respond to disappointment. The first thing is this. Go to God immediately, right? Go to God immediately. And here's what I understand. We have to work on our view of God. Like he isn't this judgmental, eternal being that we just have to be afraid of or we think that what concerns us doesn't concern him. Like some of us, we've had painted for us um, this view of God. Like he's this big guy on a big throne that's just pointing his finger at us and waiting for us to mess up. But that's not who he is. Scripture tells us that God is love. And everything he does flows out of who he is. So his his faithfulness is is love. His holiness uh, is love. His grace is love because he is love. And he reminds us this in Psalms 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be forsaken, to be shaken rather. What does that mean, family? He's saying, listen, 
Change your view of me. Come to me immediately. Don't think it's too small. Ah, God's not concerned about this. Let him determine what he's concerned about. You don't do that for him. He says, no, cast your burdens to me because I will sustain you. Meaning this family, he's going to sustain you through your disappointment. He's going to sustain you through the hard times. He's going to sustain you through loss. He's going to sustain you through grief. Not only does his grace amaze us or empowers us, but it is the grace of God that also sustains us where you felt like quitting. But it was only the grace of God that allowed you to continue to push through. Here's what else we got to do. We got to allow others in. You know, oftentimes when we face disappointment, we want to turn inward. And it, beca- it could be because of the shame and grief and regret or many other reasons that we feel. But listen, family, that's not the response that we need. We need to go to others. James 5.15 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray to, uh, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. And I love that it says confess your sins to God. Nope. Confess your sins to one another. Like you use wisdom, okay? Don't go to the gossiper. We know that. But it says confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. That's why community is so important. We need that. Why? so that you may be healed. So what is that saying? Healing is found in community. Like, yes, I believe in you. I want to pray with you and pray for you. But there is power in the person to your left and right praying for you in community. This is what scripture says. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. In Ecclesiastes 4.12, it reminds us this, that three are better than two. It's better than one because a triple braided cord is not easily broken, meaning that there is strength in community. And here's another thing. Turn your pain into purpose. This is another way we need to respond. Turn your pain into purpose. Listen, we hit on this a minute ago that what you have gone through isn't for nothing. And what you're going through has a purpose. There's a purpose to the pain you feel. Like we go through pain, family. We don't stay there. So allow the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to turn that pain into purpose. Listen, could it be that the same thing that the enemy thought was going to take you out is now the very thing that you give God glory for? Because it gave you another perspective of him that without it, you would not have seen the pain in that way. So we got to allow the work of the Holy Spirit to turn our pain into purpose. Some people experience pain, and I understand, but for the next 30 years, their identity goes back to that marker of pain. But see, that doesn't have to be the story when we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to turn that pain into purpose. And here's the last way we need to respond. Choose an eternal perspective. Like you've heard it said before, that we don't take losses, but we gain lessons. Now, that's just not semantics. That's just not a play on words. I believe it's a perspective shift. That I'm not seeing the difficulty I face as being problematic or being a loss, but rather I'm choosing, I'm choosing to see it as an opportunity to shift my perspective. That I'm choosing to see God as good even in the darkest and the most difficult moments. See, family, it's much more than a perspective shift to our problems, but it's also a perspective shift on life. See, some of us are disappointed because our focus is limited. And our focus is limited to just here and now. 
here and now is important. Here and now we pay attention to. We don't just live and say, nah, this don't matter. Some wait to eternity. Absolutely not. That's not how that works. But here and now is not everything. Here's what I'm saying. We need an eternal perspective. You know, uh, one of my pastors, he would tell this story of how when he was a teenager, he'd be so upset. He'd come on, he'd blow up and tell his mom about it because, I mean, come on, who else is going to back their son more than a mother, right? Or is that just our two boys? Mother and their boys. And she would say, oh, Mark, what does it mean in light of eternity? He's like, I'm mad right now. What you talking about? I need you to feel what I feel. But she was teaching him something bigger. That like, yes, I understand. You face some disappointment. But son, there's an eternal focus that you need. What does this matter in light of eternity? Paul talks about this or hints at this in Philippians 3.20. When he says, but our citizenship is heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, family, when you know where you belong, it changes how you respond to what you face. Because you know that this is not your home. You're just passing through. And Paul lived this way. Look what he says in Philippians 1, 21 through 24. He says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's like, well, if I live, I keep serving Christ. Well, if I die, then I gain Christ. If, I go to, if, if I'm going to go on living in the body... This will mean fruitful labor for me. More ways I can serve. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is necessary for you that I remain in the body. So he's like, yo, cool. I'll be here in the here and now, and I'm going to serve, and that's great. But then I'm also, in other words, Paul's like, look, there's nothing you can do to me because I have an eternal focus. So and remember, he's writing Philippians in prison. <laughs> So he's writing Philippians, the book of joy in prison. And he's saying these things that no matter what you do to me, like I'm good either way because my focus is eternal. And so family, here's the thing I want you to get today. Disappointment is an opportunity to discover God in ways that you never knew. Disappointment gives us that chance to see God in ways that we didn't know before. Because oftentimes when you feel like you're in a mountaintop and all you do is win, you miss things. But it's in the moment where you feel like you took a loss that you see things in a different way. And that's where you get to see God in ways that he's always been the whole time. And so he's inviting us now, even before disappointment or the next disappointment comes, to see him in that way already. Would you pray with me?